Well, welcome, and uh, it's great to see you here tonight. Uh, as together we uh, we do something kind of official. Now, Dwayne and Hannah and the kids are not actually leaving till mid-August, but tonight is the night for us to to take an opportunity just to pause for a moment and to express some things to them uh, as a congregation. And you will still have lots of opportunity as individuals to continue to connect with them over the next month and a half. But thank you for coming and uh, being, being here tonight. You know, I'm reminded that the atmosphere as we started in worship, it reminds us that we're, um, that we're part of a bigger reality, a reality that God reminds us of, of course, uh, in his scriptures, that we're part of his kingdom, not our kingdom, but his kingdom. And the truth is that we love churches that love Jesus and make him, make him a priority. And we recognize that we're just one church, part of many churches that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ uses, a small part of the immense work of God that he does around the world and in this region. And, uh, and so it's our natural orientation. I recognize this as a parent. And uh, it's our natural uh, orientation to hold on to those things that we love, to hold on to people that we love. But of course, as parents, we also, we raise our children and we let them go. And uh, we recognize that uh, with this amazing family that we love, Pastor Dwayne and Hannah and Isaiah and Kaya and Jemai, we love you so much that we also have to let you go. So um, that tonight, that's what tonight is going to be about. And uh, we trust it's going to be a meaningful night for us and for you guys as well. So uh, we're so very glad that we've got some representatives, some Harvest Berry here. Uh, it's great that we have uh, their lead pastor, uh, Todd Dugard, uh, along with his family, and uh, Dan Br Brubaker, one of the associate pastors, and his family. It's great to have them here. Would you give them a warm welcome as uh, Pastor Todd comes to give a word of greeting tonight? Uh, thank you uh, for not egging us. Um, I don't know if you're going to do anything to the car while we're in here or what else is going to go on, but I've, we've only sensed grace uh, since we've come in, and thank you so much. And I think this is the way that uh, brothers and sisters in Christ and, and uh, churches that all are committed to the same mission uh, do these things, even though I know that in some respects this is a really um, a painful thing for you guys, and we've been through this. Cheryl and I have been through this uh, in the past, a departure that was pretty painful when we uh, followed God's calling for us to go to, to Barrie um, from a church very similar to this one uh, down in southern Ontario. And, um, but I wanna, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak for a few moments and, uh, and really to share with you. One of the things I, I just want to share with you was how we came to the uh, decision to ask Dwayne to come and join our staff team, his family. Um, because it's not always, uh, I didn't know Dwayne before, and uh, it wasn't until we decided that we actually needed this new staff position. And so I, uh, I said, where am I going to go looking? Our own fellowship of churches, the Harvest Bible Fellowship, is a fairly small fellowship of churches, and there aren't a lot of available uh, guys who would be able to fit this particular role that we have. And so, um, so I thought about the guy among the Fellowship Baptists, which is where I came from, the guy among the Fellowship Baptists who is a lead pastor who I respected the most. And I decided that he would be a kind of guy who would hire really good staff. And so I went to his website, and I searched through his staff. And I looked for a guy who had been there for enough years that he was probably ready for a change. <laughs> and um, I, I, I tell you that because I so respect Pastor Rick. And we spent some time at London Baptist Bible College together in our undergrad degrees. And there are certain guys that you go to college with and you just know that guy is a star. God's going to use him in a pretty significant way. And Rick was always that guy. And uh, so I did. I, I went to your website, and I searched through, and I found this guy. And he'd been doing youth ministry for nine years, and no one does youth ministry for nine years. And, um, and I just knew Rick would have hired really quality people. And so uh, I didn't call Dwayne because we have, a, we have a code within our own fellowship of churches, and I wanted to extend that to Rick because I respect him so much. And our code is that we would never raid another, the staff of another church without first calling the lead pastor of that church. And so on a... February afternoon, I made a phone call to uh, your pastor, and I said to him, look, I'd, I'd like to talk to Dwayne. I don't know him, but I'd like to talk to him. And he said, curiously, 
um, Dwayne and I have already been talking about how God might be leading him in the future, and, and I love that God was in it, don't you? I love that God was already in it. And, um, and so that led us uh, to this moment where we are uh, right now and lots of conversations and lots of meetings and trips to Barry and such uh, where we came to uh, this moment. And I was thinking of uh, just a key verse, um, Ephesians uh, 2.10 says that uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I know Dwayne is a man of integrity and a good family man, and I know he served you super well, but we had a particular job that needed to be done, and in fact, uh, we're taking, um, I don't know, uh, Dan, two or three jobs and putting them together and giving that all to Dwayne, and um, because we recognize that there seems to be some significant capacity there and certainly the kind of gifting that we're looking for and uh, we really see him as being God's workmanship, not just in the sense of salvation and Christ has worked in him in that sense, but the particular gifting he has and the particular passion that he has and the capacity that he has to do all of this, all of that part of God's workmanship that we believe he's going to use in a significant way. And, and I want to tell you that he's, he and Hannah and the kids are making some sacrifices to do this in the sense that uh, this is a beautiful facility and it's not the only building you own. And uh, he's moving to a church that owns nothing currently. Uh, we don't have a building. Uh, we're 15 years in, and uh, we have just um, acquired our first building, which we take possession of uh, near the end of this year. But he's coming into a temporary situation where he's going to be able to be in one set of offices for four months, and then we're going to make him move to another one, and then 15 months later, he's going to move to another office. And uh, all the while, there's going to be construction going on in our building that, that we've purchased and renovations. And in the midst of all of that, very, very high demands on what we're going to be asking him to do. So he's leaving something in some senses is uh, far more settled and secure in order to come and do something that's adventurous and, uh, and different with us. And so we're really uh, pleased that you've released him. We appreciate so much the heart that you've had for Dwayne and Hannah for their family and the love that you're showing to them even on this evening. We're so grateful for all of that. And we really do believe, I want you to know this, we're going to work them very, very hard. And, um, and uh, they are going to be an integral part of helping us as a church move to the next level in our own outreach into our city and into the, the city of Barrie. I don't believe that it's fair uh, for us just to simply take him as a free agent and not offer any compensation. I don't have any staff members that I'm looking to get rid of, so, uh, I, so I can't send you anybody that I just want to offload. Our salary cap is fine and all of that. So, um, But uh, Barry um, has uh, just an amazing uh, butter tart place. And uh, so at some point, when Pastor Rick is back, uh, the Harvest Berry staff will make sure that your staff is well supplied with butter tarts as compensation. I'm not saying you're only worth butter tarts, but I'm... <laughs> Honestly, it's just the best I could come up with <laughs> on short notice. We'll send some butter tarts down. So God bless you. Thank you for the few minutes to speak here. We're really excited about tonight. Thank you so much for the privilege. And, and may God just continue to bless and pour out his spirit here at Calvary, Oshawa. God bless you. Thank you. Well, um, being in youth ministry, uh, you only get about six years to spend with students. Grade 7 to 12 is a short amount of time. And uh, youth pastors don't always get to see the fruit that comes from the investment they make. Um, they don't always get the thank yous. They don't always get the you told me so's or those kinds of things. But I can say that in my own life, I've told Dwayne thank you very many times. And I say it now. Thank you so much. Uh, at least I, I know on behalf of my wife and I, I can say that Dwayne has made an amazing investment in our lives and so many of our positive decisions for Christ, for ministry, for loving people in God's name are because of the investment that Dwayne made in our lives. And there are many more people who have walked through these doors and have played dodgeball and had messy nights and all sorts of fun times with Dwayne. And Dwayne seriously took it. He took it very seriously to invest in those students, tell them about Jesus, and make sure they knew that there was an opportunity for eternal life. 
and we were able to gather a few students to say thank you. So here you go, a video. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you for being you. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thanks, Dwayne. Thank you, Dwayne. Thanks, Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne. Thank you for all of the stuff that you've done here at Calvary Baptist Church. Thanks, Dwayne, for being such a great leader. I'm going to miss hearing your messages. You're awesome. Just the patience the love, the care, and the attention that you put into all of us as your students. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne, for always welcoming me into the church family and taking an interest in my sports. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thank you for always being a great youth pastor. I just want to thank you for everything that you've done for me and done for the church, and um, we're going to really miss you next year because, you know, the only black guy that's around understands me, so it's going to be you know, kind of hard next year, but we're going to miss you anyway. Thank you, Dwayne, for all that you've done for uh, us in the church. And I uh, hope you have a great time at the new church. And, uh, you know, have a good time. And thanks for all that you've done. We're going to meet Julia now. Ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <in Julia. laughs> What do you have to say about this event? I love this event. It's amazing. I love getting dirty. I love seeing the students. I'm sad it's my last one. I'll keep it going. What's up? Yeah, I'm out of here. So, as you go, you catch it. You can keep it. No, no, you got two chances. Made her way through the crowd, defiling people in the old system as she went through. Just even wanted to touch his cloak. Some people say that might be because of the superstitious principle. It may be because she's like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to wreck Jesus' holiness. But she thought, maybe, maybe God's power in this man will touch my life and change me in an instant. And I can be healed. I can be made well. What does resonate mean to you? Oh, resonate totally means uh, the opportunity to pull everybody that's a youth in our church together and give them one chance to kind of look at each other and, and see this is what God's been doing amongst our generation. That's a great way to begin every Sunday. So Resonate is just us kind of vibrating with whatever the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. And he's building a community from young people from all over the German region. So at Calvary, that's what we do Sunday morning, we resonate. So when we come together, we should be boasting God. We should be saying, isn't God amazing? Isn't it, isn't it wonderful what God has done in our lives? As you hear about someone saying something, oh, I had a great week. Well, isn't that amazing, brother? You know, isn't it wonderful, sister? In 2015, I'm sure that's what you need to be different than 2014. You need a little bit more follow-through in your life. It's easy to talk about resolutions like how big your stomach's going to be or how much beard you're going to grow or, um, you know, you know how, how much kale you're going to eat if you're one of those dietary people. You know, there's all these sorts of things that really don't touch the heart of who we are. But we need follow-through in these spiritual matters. And that's what Christ came to help us with. We'll let ourselves off the hook, but God will keep us on track and accountable. At Christmas, we celebrated Christ as a savior, but we must always recognize that he came to be our leader. He didn't come only as a sacrifice. He came to be sovereign. He didn't come only to lay his life down. He came to lift our lives up. The kid we sing about at Christmas must be the king we live for every day for the rest of this year. Thank you for always encouraging me. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thank you for being there in the hard times. Thank you. Thank you for believing in me when I didn't know how to believe it myself. We just want to thank you so much for letting us come out and film all these cool youth events. It's truly been an adventure and a blessing. Thanks for sharing Hannah with me. Thank you for being a role model to me, uh, someone I can look up to and just learn so much from. Thank you for always making me feel special and encouraging me. I will miss you. Thank you, Pastor Dwayne. Thank you for mentoring us.
Thanks for sharpening iron with iron. Wayne, just thanks so much. You will be missed. And uh, we all love you here. And uh, we'll see ya. All right, settle down, settle down, settle down. I didn't think I made it under the camera that often, but good job, Brett. Thank you so much. Brett has been a great friend, and I uh, love you guys. So if you haven't caught it yet, I'm a shy person, so I don't really want to talk about me. I'll do something because it's the right thing to do at the end, but I want to tell you about some cool things. There's really, really, really good news about saying yes to God. That's our topic tonight. What happens when you say yes to God? So I don't know if you've thought about it. Maybe you've caught it, maybe you've already said yes to God and you know, but if you don't know, if you haven't said yes to God in some time, if it's been a while, I want to just let you know. When you say yes to God, he totally, totally, completely, overflowingly fulfills your life. This is why he calls us to follow him, to give us a full life. When Jesus invited the first disciples to follow him, he led them on a wild adventure that changed the way they saw their lives. He led them all over the Galilee and Judean countryside, and together they experienced the wonderful thrill of God's presence. He gave them an extraordinary life, and we're still talking about their experiences today. So, when you or I say yes to God, to his leading, what can we expect? Well, we should expect an extraordinary life, a wild faith adventure that is filled with an increasing sense of the Lord's presence. And we will enjoy this grand experience of the full life that Jesus promised to his disciples. And I checked it out to make sure that I wasn't just pulling from my own experience to find out if it's true. And I think because I've heard different stories and different things from you all that have said yes to Jesus and gone through scriptures, I think I can demonstrate uh, that it is true. I turned to David, King David, the uh, quintessential king of Israel a man after God's own heart. And he seemed to know this. He uh, wrote, excuse me, in Psalm 1611, you, God, will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. And a little less than a thousand years later, Jesus showed up with an important revelation for us to consider. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I know we've talked about that a lot at our, at our church, but here's the part I want you to hear about. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or if you learned it in Awana, abundantly, right? Full or abundantly, whatever. About 35 minutes ago, I was looking for a big thing of water. Because I wanted to come up here and just dump out a bunch of water into, into a cup and just have it overflow all over the stave. Stage, And then I thought about Pastor Steve. <laughs> and I thought, I didn't get a chance to run that one by him. But, but that's what God does. And, and the experience that I'm having, it's a, it's a funny thing to be in this situation right now. But the experience that I'm having is that God has filled my life to overflowing. And, and it's a great feeling. Fullness of joy, pleasures forever, life, an abundant life, finding pasture. And to me, that's really good news. So if in case you've missed it, saying yes to Jesus Christ takes you closer to God. And on the way, you experience these great things, a full life, God's presence, joy, and pleasure. It's a wild faith adventure led by Jesus Christ. Now, some years ago, for my anniversary, Hannah and I, uh, we t tried to decide where we wanted to go to celebrate. And I had this idea, trying to be a romantic guy, I wanted to take her to Paris, right? Paris, not Ontario, Paris, France, okay? Right? I wanted to show her the Eiffel Tower. I wanted to show her the places that I'd, I'd seen when I was younger. My mother had taken us there in grade 8. And I thought, one day when I get married to a smoking hot woman, right, I would love to go back there and, and just show her these places where I've been already. And Hannah said, I don't want to really go to Paris. I really want to take you to see B.C. I want to show you where I grew up. I want to show you the mountains. I want to show you the, the sea. I want to show you the things out there. I'd never been to a place like that before. And, and so I, I wrestled with her, wrestled with her, and lost right? And we ended up in B.C. And you know what? When I was in B.C., we went to the mountains. We went to the ocean. We did wonderful things. We played hide-and-seek with whales. We chased bears down trails and ATVs. We went to the top of a mountain. We stood in, by the ocean. It was wonderful. It changed the way I saw my life. 
And that's what it was like for those disciples who said yes to Jesus. He led them to the mountaintops. He led them beside and even through the deep waters. He led, he led them through the valleys. He watched over them in the night and allowed them to experience and delight in him during the day. So we follow him and we say yes to his leading. Do you? Do you say yes to Jesus? Do you say yes to God? Is that, is that the, the, the switch that's on in your heart? Is it yes or maybe? Is it no? Is it yes? If you say yes to Jesus Christ leading, then today I don't want you to be sad for us. I don't want you to be afraid for us because so much of Scripture shows us to expect great things when we say yes to Christ. And so uh, I want to use my time tonight to highlight five ideas that are kind of swimming around. They're not in a sermon form. They're just five things that, that have been in our experience that, I have, that I've noted as we've said yes to Christ. These things have accompanied the journey, and I, uh, the journey. And I hope that if you're someone in the audience tonight thinking, there's something that God's been tapping on my shoulder that he wants me to do. You know, not necessarily leaving a job or anything like that, but just some way he wants you to be. Some task that you, you have now crossed the line where you're not wondering anymore, Lord, is this your voice? You're like, Lord, I know this is you. I'm just not sure what's going to happen. I want to encourage those people tonight. So five ideas um, of what happens when we say yes to God. The first, and they're not in any particular order. You'll see signs that confirm his word. There's a verse in, Math, in Mark chapter 16. I'm giving you the references. I'm not going to flip all around because it'll just take too much time, but I do want you to hear this one. Uh, this is after Jesus had promised his disciples he would be with them, and they would go out and they would do things. And so he said at the beginning, and then he sent them out, and they came back, and they reported that these things had happened. And it, this is what happened to them. It says in Mark 16, 20, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And he's talking about signs like healings and casting out demons and they would speak in new tongues and they will pick up snakes with their hands and and they will drink deadly poison and it will not hurt them at all. We don't even really know what to do with these verses, but the fact is that there are these signs, these things that confirm the word of the Lord and they accompany people that say yes. So miracles, signs, wonders, and answered prayers accompany those who undertake faith assignments as God stamps his approval on what is done in his name. The church has enjoyed a history of experiencing what Jesus has promised in this passage. Demons have been cast out in Christ's name. Cultural barriers have been broken down because of the Spirit's work. Lives miraculously have been protected, and healings have come in response to our prayers. In this church, we have rejoiced over people in this very congregation who have said yes to Christ and been released from demonic influence. We have celebrated the news of young missionaries protected in the African jungle at night and one missionary protected from gunfire. I don't know if you remember the story of Graydon being sheltered in the jungle or if you know another story about our missionaries in Bolivia where they were, they were, money was taken from them at gunpoint and they tried to shoot one of, the, one of the people in the room and the gun would not fire. That amazed me, right? Our church has, has real cross-cultural ministry in India. I'm using this as a tongues idea resulting in the training of preachers and the rescue of women in the sex trade. And men and women stand among us who were once very sick. We've prayed for them, and God has restored them to health. We've experienced all these things. These signs accompany us as we've all said yes to God and come and form this thing called Calvary Baptist Church. In our personal lives, Hannah and I were just remembering that when we were dating, Hannah suffered from severe asthma, so severe that I spent a whole summer praying to God, wondering, like, could I even handle being the husband of someone that when she gets an asthma attack, she'd have to go to the hospital. And I was thinking, if she got the wrong kind of asthma attack, I might not have a wife to grow old with. I prayed and I prayed and I thought, Lord, you want me to marry her, but I don't know if I can handle this. I hope you make it go away. I want you to make that go away. Well, if you know Hannah, you might not know that she suffered from severe asthma. God has taken that away from her. We, we call that a healing. And we've seen God answer that prayer because if she suffered from those things, we wouldn't be able to do the things we've done together in the ministry. So when you say yes to God, you say yes to experiencing God's presence in exciting ways. When's the last time you got excited about God doing something in your life? This is not the time for crickets. <laughs> right? If, if, it's, if it's been a while, ask yourself this. When's the last time you said yes to something the Lord wanted you to do? Okay, number two. When you say yes to God, you will see the crazy plan succeed. You will see the crazy plan succeed. I'm thinking about Joshua. I'm thinking about Peter walking on the water. Hannah this morning was, was reading in Hosea, and she was going, that, that plan that God had for for 
Hosea to marry Gomer. That was kind of a crazy thing. I said, yeah, you know, it's interesting. But God calls us to experience amazing victory in the face of impossible odds. Giants fall, walls fail, waters move, enemies run away, and victory is handed to us when it can't come by anybody else. When you think it through, some of the things that God calls us to do just seem crazy. Being an engineer, the thing that has always stumped me the most is how did they get the soldiers to march around the walls at Jericho? I'm absolutely certain that if I had been in that staff meeting or if I had been in that planning session, I said, we are not going to do this. We are not going to march our army in front of their weapons. We're not going to march our army in front of their wall. We're not going to just stand out there and let them pick us off for seven days, singing worship songs, yelling our heads off, screaming in the trumpets and go like, we're going to win this thing. It's a stupid plan. I don't know if you understand anything about war tactics, but if you tried to throw something at me and I tried to throw something at you, I'm higher than you, so I will hit you more often and it will hurt more because of gravity, right? So to me, in the Bible, I read a lot of crazy plans and I just go like, how does that work, Jesus? Right? But we see it succeed when we say yes. So it's crazy that Joshua experienced victory at Jericho. It's crazy. The verse says they walked around the wall seven times. And they, they blew the trumpets, and then they shouted, Hah! at a wall. At a wall. And it fell. And they marched in and took the city. I don't know if you've thought about it. It's a crazy plan, and it succeeded. David goes and he beats up Goliath, the child and the giant. Every other knowledgeable soldier is afraid, and David, this moxie type of kid walks in and goes, I can take him, right? And it shouldn't have happened that way that he had that kind of courage, but God had already put it in them, and he beats up the giant. It's crazy. And every time I get up to speak, I always think of how crazy it is that God decided for eight years of all those stupid days where he had to say speeches at school, and I would never won a competition. I'd do all my homework. I'd come up with all my notes, and I'd stand there, and I'd bleed my heart out and be so nervous in front of everybody, and I would never win. I knew I would never have a career in public speaking. Every time I get up to the spot, I'm going like, how did this happen? How did this happen? I got A's in math, science, anything with numbers, not public speaking, right? It's crazy that, that you guys took a stranger from London, Ontario, on the east side of Adelaide and brought him here to lead your kids. That's insane. So when you see... When you say yes to God, you say yes to trusting a plan that requires you to rely on God's help. If you're like me, you get stuck on the mode of self-reliance. So when's the last time you let yourself go into the spot where you needed to rely on God? When's the last time you let God lead you into something crazy and then got to experience and celebrate the victory of it? Every time I come to worship, if you see me dancing, I'm thinking about something crazy that God did for me. That's why I dance, and I don't care what you guys say. Number three, when you, see, when you say yes to God, you will see lives change for the better. Uh, thinking about Elijah and thinking about Paul. Paul loved a church named the, Thess- the Thessalonians. He loved them. He worked with them. He spent a lot of time with them. He wrote to them in First Thessalonians 3. And he, he said, when I met you, you were like this. But as I've come along, you've grown in love. You've increased in faith. And you've grown in your love one for another. And he loves this church. He, he loves this church. And I thought about this church almost right away when I thought about this night. I thought, that's the way I feel about this church. As I've got to know you, you guys are amazing. But I've seen us even grow in greater, greater love and greater, greater faith and greater, greater acts. And he loves them. And as we've said yes to being here, moving away from mom and dad, both of our parents live in London. We didn't just leave one set, but we left everybody to come here. And we've seen you grow. We've seen you change for the better. That does not mean you weren't good when we came. It just means that we've seen you even get better since then. Um, and I'm thinking about Elijah, who, who said yes to God as well. These, these people saw lives saved through the name of Jesus Christ. Hearts were moved. The church grew grows. People who don't believe are drawn in by the blessing of God. That's what happens when you say yes to God. When we submit ourselves to Christ, he pours out blessing through us into other people's lives. I'm going to tell you, it's a great thing to sit back and, and watch a video like that. It's hard, but it's great. You know, like it's, it's like, wow, that, that meant something. You know, that moment, that, that ministry meant something. It was a blessing to someone. When Elijah said yes to God, uh, as to be a prophet, and it was a difficult time for him, God led him to a house where there was a woman about to starve, about to have her last meal, and just eat whatever she had left, and just just 
capitulate to her situation and eat the food and die with her son. And God brought Elijah to her house, sustained her food through the drought or famine or whatever it was, and they lived. A little later on, her son got sick. The Bible says he stopped breathing, died, and Elijah was used to bring her back to life. Elijah said yes to God, and he became a blessing in that house. I already told you about Paul. And this morning, you, I got to just marvel at the idea that here I am again, you know, in a tank, baptizing some teenagers. Just a blessing. It was, it was great to, to be there to help calm these people that are a little bit nervous at the moment when they're just going to tell the testimony, the greatest story of all, and it's just their nerves that are going to prevent them from doing it. You're just in there saying, hey, you know what? Just calm down. Everybody here wants to hear you talk about Jesus. That's a great spot to be in, to be a blessing to other people. So when you say yes to God, you say yes to becoming a greater blessing to others. Are you with me? Just got two more. When you say yes to God, you become a source of inspiration for the church. Have you ever read through Hebrews chapter 11? Have you read through Romans chapter 16? If you've ever gone to those parts of the Bible, they're very long, but they list all sorts of Christian people in an amazing way. In, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's referred to as the Hall of Faith. And in Romans chapter 16, I call it the Romans Roll Call. I don't know if there's a better name for it, but that's what I call it. And, and in these places, the author just takes time to list Christians by name, Christians by name who did things or, or believed things or, or served the church in some way, and they got listed in these people that we wouldn't know about other than the fact that they served or died or believed got listed, and they're in the pages of Scripture for as long as God protects his word. These people's names are going to stand there as, as inspiration for the congregations that believe in Christ. So when you say yes to God, you will be enabled to do great things in the Lord, to endure hardships and still accomplish his will. Your service, though seemingly small in your own eyes, is a bright example that the Lord holds out to others. It's a small, small world that uh, we we get trained in for ministry in this part of the world. And uh, that same Bible college that Pastor Rick was at and the same Bible college that that, um, Pastor Todd was at, the same Bible college that I went to down the road when they uh, amalgamated and went to Cambridge is the same Bible college that Pastor Dan's dad was the president of. It's a very small world. I've really brought to you family. You know, just, just it's a small thing. But back in the day when I was in London, just a little guy, um, there was a guy going to that school. His name was Bob. And Bob did something that was super influential in my life. Around, I couldn't drive, so I was probably about 15, 14. He said, he said to three guys in our church, if you don't know this, my youth group had six people. And if I've ever told you, they were the six most different people that you could have. One guy, we had a rule about him and knives. Like, keep the knives away from this guy. Okay? So six different people. Right? So he, he decided he's going to take three of, the, three of these people and just say, I'm going to take you guys into a Bible study. And so he just had us come over to his house. He did the right stuff. He had pop and chips and all that stuff and, and all those kind of things. But we would go every Monday, Monday nights. Bible study. We, we did Romans, and we did, um, we did Daniel. I think we did Daniel. And I, I remember thinking, this is weird, you know, like I'm, I'm 13, I'm 14, I'm 15, whatever age, and like there's a lot of guys that are going to do something different on a Monday night, but I'm looking forward to going to Bob's house and studying the Bible. He gave me, he gave me my first NIV study Bible, and I remember going like, there's notes in this thing, right? And I read them, right? And he underlined verses, he underlined Proverbs 3, 4, and 5, um, you know, things like that. And, and Bob just did this small thing. But I knew at that moment he was inspiring something in me because he thought that we as teenagers, three guys, could take God's word seriously. And he showed me that I could understand it. And I knew from that moment that I would want to spend my time showing other teenagers how to read scripture. So um, Bob was a huge inspiration for me. He became an inspiration. He went on to be a pastor. He's a pastor down the road towards Kingston somewhere. And he has such a good reputation with me. So when you say yes to God's leading, you're saying yes to a good reputation, an inspirational reputation among those who are being saved. Are you getting the picture of why I would say yes to God? I know some of you guys, well, why, why has this happened? Why, why are we doing this now? Why is God leading us through this? Well, from our point, when I'm trying to find the, the, the excitement about moving, when I'm trying to find what, what's, what's going to be amazing, I'm like, Lord, when we've said yes to you so far in the past, you know, it's gone like this. It's not that it's perfect. It's not that every day is bliss. But these are the things that accompany my life, and I wouldn't want it to be any other way. So the fifth thing that happens when you say yes to God is this. You will please God. God will take pleasure in your life. 
that's uh, what Hebrews 11.6 says. Without faith, there's, um, there's no way. Uh, I finally forgot it. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you flip that around. With faith, you can please God. In fact, God, we know from the whole time, from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture, he's always looking for people to respond to him with faith, always looking for people to say, yes, God, I want to do that for you. God is so clear about that. Your obedience, your yes, gives him pleasure. Your yes affects the creator of the universe. Your yes puts a smile on God's face. 1 John 5.3 says that to love God is to obey his commands. That's an equivalent statement. So if you're not obeying God, especially on that spot that he's saying, you know, I want you to do this. I, I, I've asked you to do this. I need you to do this. You're not pleasing God. He's not able to take pleasure from you. And when he made you, he made you so that he could experience pleasure from your life. He doesn't force us to do it. He's never wanted forced obedience. He could have taken care of everything for us in the garden if he was into forced obedience, but God did not make us robots. He wants our will to be obeying him. If we obey him and we trust him, he is greatly pleased and we get to hear, well done. Matthew 25, 23, I think Pastor Nick preached on this recently, the, the parable of the um, different servants, the talents, right? And, and, and two of the servants went away and they, they said yes, they invested God's they invested the master's money. They did a great job. And when they came back, they heard the master say, well done. Well done. Right? I don't know how many of you guys have had the privilege of raising sons or daughters. I don't know. I'm, I think about my boys. But every now and then, my boys will do what I've asked them to do. <laughs> it happens every now and then. And they do it, and it's like one of those things where it wasn't an argument. It wasn't a do it or else, it was just a, hey, I'd really feel really good if you could do this today. I remember one time Isaiah cleaned up something for me, and, and you, it's hard to tell if you visit his room on any given day, you might not realize how good he can clean. But uh, when he puts his mind to it, he can do an amazing job. And he had, he, maybe he did the garage, I think that's what it, was, what it was. And I came home, I opened up the garage, and I was like, wow, this is good. And I had this moment like, my son obeyed me. My son said yes. I didn't have to fight him. I took pleasure in him, and I delighted in his obedience. It was amazing. And I think um, we parents know how much we just want our kids to, to, to say yes, not because we force them, not because we threaten them, not even because we bribe them, but because they love us, because they trust us, because they say, hey, I'm going to go with your plan because I think it's a good plan. And then they go and they carry it out with a great heart. And it's such a good thing when they do that. We ask people to do things as parents. We ask our kids to do things as parents, um, not because we want them to become better at the task. Right? Anybody who's had to lead anyone, hopefully, if you've had to lead people in character stuff, you don't ask them to do things so they can get better at the task. You ask them to do the things so they become better people. Right? When you ask your child, can you put away your clothes, you're not asking so they can be the, get an A in making their bed. You're asking them so they can be responsible. When I ask my kids, don't fight, it's not simply because I don't like the sound of arguing, it's because I want them to be the kind of siblings that love each other, that think of each other's needs first. So when God asks us to do something, don't think of it as a task. Don't think of it as, ah, oh, I gotta go love my husband. It's not a task, right? I've gotta go work for my boss. Right? It's an opportunity where your father is developing you to have his heart and his character. Right? That's why the yes is so important. We might be saying, no, I don't want to do that. What you're actually saying, I don't want to become the person that God wants me to be. So when you say yes to that, when you say yes to God, you say yes to giving joy God over who you are and what you do. Right? If it was just about what you do, the Pharisees would not have received the condemnation from Jesus Christ that they received. Right? But we have that to remind us that God cares about our heart attitude. So our yes has to be in the center of our heart. So those are my five things. When you say yes to God, you will see, that signs you'll see the signs that confirm his word. 
You will see the crazy plan succeed. You will see lives change for the better. You will see yourself become a source of inspiration for the church, and you will please God. When Hannah and I said yes to Jesus for salvation, we didn't realize it, but he was offering us far more than forgiveness for sin. He was ushering both of us onto the path of life, which leads us to fullness of joy in his presence, presence and pleasure forever. Some of it we've started to experience now. A lot of it we've experienced in the last 10 years. There are moments in the journey that are hard for us, but uh, we are convinced of the fact that we will never be destroyed. We are protected in his care and experience an abundant and full life. And Hannah and I are praying, and we desire, because it's the Lord's desire, that you would enjoy your time on the wild faith adventure that comes from saying yes to Christ's leading. So do you, do you say yes to God? I have some things that I need to read because I'm not sure I remember everything I want to say, but I, I want to say some things to, to you as a church, to my team of volunteers and people that have just become my youth ministry family, uh, students, I have a very short thing to say to you because as soon as I start thinking about you, I can't think of words. And uh, I want to address my colleagues and staff. So if you allow me to read these statements, that's how I'd like to conclude my time up here. So to the church, Calvary, we love you. From day one, you have taken us in. You made sure our children had clothes. You made sure my wife had friends and did not suffer from loneliness. You made sure our house was adequate to our growing needs. You made sure we had meals when Hannah was recovering from serious illness or surgery. You made sure that I had good tools and training to do, for doing my work. You made sure that there were people to call on when we needed a hand with ministry responsibilities. You made sure our children heard the gospel and felt the love of our Savior. You made sure that there were prayers continually offered on our behalf. You made sure that, they, that we shared your love for the lost in the far parts of the globe. You made sure that we felt appreciated every year and during every difficult season. You have made sure that we could relish being part of your pastoral team. You didn't just assume, you have made sure, and I love that about you. You have a big heart for pastors. To uh, those that have served alongside us in youth, and you need to understand that um, I feel quite humble being celebrated for, for nine plus years, almost 10, because many of the people that have served here, Jillian and Paul, for example, they've been serving for a lot longer. Uh, Joan and Derek have been serving for much longer. Krista's been serving for much longer. Our, our ministry team has a gold standard in experience. There's so much to draw from, and as a 30-year-old as a youth pastor, I always felt inadequate coming up across people like Deb Martin, who had been doing her thing for 20 I don't know how long. She's not that old, but somehow she's put 100 years into youth ministry. <laughs> but I love these people. So um, this part's for you. I love the people who have committed specifically to student ministries. There are people with passion and drive and countless personal hours of investment into Calvary's teens. Together, we have built up a ministry that excels in many ways. But I hope that we are known primarily for making disciples and for attempting, attempting to reach more teens with a living example of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. We have seen eyes and ears open to the gospel. We have seen teens come to trust Jesus as Savior. We have seen fathers and mothers rejoice over their children's repentance. We have seen teens singing and dancing before the Lord. We have seen teens graduate to become key leaders in Calvary, even in our student ministries, and God uses them to advance the ministry. We have seen God build this work up around the ideas of discipleship and evangelism. Our work together has brought blessing to hundreds of teens over almost a decade of ministry together, and it's made us a family, and I will never forget that. To our students, our hearts burst with joy over what the Lord has done and is doing among you. I want to thank you for being here. I know it's a Sunday night. I know there's Netflix. I know there's Facebook. I know we don't have Wi-Fi yet, but one day we'll have that, and that'll bring more of you to church. But um, <laughs> I want to let you know, there's this saying, you, you always talk about youth as being the, the, the church of the future, right? We talk about that, the church, this is the church of the future. I want to let you know that's wrong. Never found that in scripture. The youth of the church now, they were always my church. I spent far more time with them than I ever spent, than I ever got to spend with you guys. My small group is grade 12 students and grade 11 students. When I go away on a retreat, I go away with 
grade seven students and grade eight students, and we hang out in a room, we pillow fight, and we eat candy, and we do other things that we can't tell you. <laughs> right? When I travel, I travel with, with people that are self-admitted to be a little different than the norm. And we go to places like Bolivia and Africa and Quebec and Chicago and um, Toronto. And, uh, these, this is my church. When you're a youth pastor for nine years, you have to make the decision that you aren't participating in a church that will be or a church that could be or a church that you know, you're babysitting. You are at church. God is just using you to be with people that are young. And it's a privilege. That's why the guy in the video looks so young. In the last couple of years, I've hung out with more adults. <laughs> Started going gray. Okay, last part. My colleagues and staff, there's so many. I listed them all, but then I got afraid I might miss one name, and that would be so wrong. But I thought about you all, everybody that's been here and everybody that works part-time, and even our, our recent people that are just joining us a little bit. So Katie and Michaela and uh, Mary and, and Sean and Bruce and all those people that Arnold that might not think I'm thinking about you, I'm thinking about everyone. It has been a pleasure working alongside of one of the finest teams of Christian individuals I know, and I really mean that. I tried to find a way to say this that wouldn't be cliche. To the individual, it is a rich pleasure to have a good conversation with anybody that I work with. Each one of the men and women on staff is extremely dedicated and highly enabled to serve the Lord Jesus, to serve you and this community in a variety of ways. Day in and day out, every week of the year, we are treated to excellent care and a remarkably high quality of ministry. I love bringing people in here. Secret in my head, I'm sitting in front of the new people, and I'm going like, I hope they're thinking about some things we can take back to our building. Right? Just, just such a high quality of ministry. I've treasured the days together, and you have refined me and inspired me and encouraged me to lead and serve with the high commitment and capacity you all demonstrate with such grace and conviction. And that's all I can say. It has been our privilege to be called to be part of your pastoral team, and we pray that God will continue his amazing work among you as you submit yourselves to his leading. This is for the whole church. We want to thank you for this night. It will be a special memory that we will cherish for years and years to come, and it will inspire us to represent you well, to work really hard, to love really well, to, to make arms open wide to anybody in the city that would decide to come and be part of the church that we're helping to build. I want to thank you for loving my family. Thank you for loving my wife. Thank you for loving me. My name is Steve King. You can just have a quick seat if you don't mind. And uh, I'm uh, uh, the personnel chair and have served in that capacity for uh, over 10 years. Um, I remember uh, meeting at a Williams Coffee, you know, about 10 years ago uh, with a few other guys, uh, Pastor Rick included, and uh, we interviewed this younger gentleman who had characteristics that were, and we kind of, I recall kind of what the ones they were. They were, he was caring, he was intelligent, he had experience, uh, he was gifted, he had musical abilities, and he had other abilities. And, you know, the pragmatic side of personnel is, well, that's, that's the fit we need. But really, uh, the thing that was most impressive is the fact that he always he impressed upon us that he wants to seek God first in everything. You know, um, the thing I appreciate about Dwayne uh, is that, <clears throat> you know, as parents, uh, sometimes there can be some trials. And there's a bit of a bridge, or what I call it is the, the great divide uh, between parents and their teens. And we assume that we can sometimes release them to some place and they'll bring that together. Um, you know, we, we can't always do it as parents. And that's really, you know, what Dwayne's desire was. He wanted to find a way to bridge 
uh, trust with kids, but not trust in him, but trust in the Lord. And that's, that's something that I think he just did an outstanding job at. You know, <clears throat> it's important to be uh, not swayed by uh, the opinion poll or the, uh, uh, the pressure that comes sometimes because people think, well, I need, an, I need an event because, you know, quite frankly, I'm tired of having my kids at home, so send them off because, you know, somebody needs to look after them for a period of time. That was never Dwayne's process. Never even entered his thought process. It wasn't about programs and events, although those were opportunities to, to bridge those gaps. But really, you know, what I appreciate is that shows me someone who's a leader. Someone who, who really believes in what God's laid upon his heart. You know, he also had a huge, has a huge passion to see kids trust God, not their friends. Maybe they need to trust their parents, but really, it's really about God. And that's something else that Dwayne has always done. You know, this can't be done, obviously, without God's help, but certainly not without uh, a helpmate. And Hannah, uh, you're a true woman of faith. You uh, sacrificially shared Dwayne with the youth, you know, for some 10 years. You sacrificially invested your own time in the lives of many of the young ladies that are out here. And we're an outstanding role model. And, you know, what I think probably Dwayne appreciates is that you were a trusted advisor. I'm sure he came home a few times and it was like, man, I, I just, I'm not sure, I'm just not sure. But I know that your encouragement is what helped him. You know, finally, I think one of the key things that we all want is, and we seek this, is this idea of acceptance. And I see a microcosm of that within youth and it's very easy to become accepted quickly or want to be accepted quickly by your peers. But really, Dwayne, what you were able to do was ensure that the acceptance that the youth got came because they saw that God accepted them and that they were really part of his plan. So on behalf of the congregation and the deacons, We'll miss you, but we know God is who you serve, and that's all that counts. Love you. Pastor Steve's going to come up, and uh, uh, he's going to finish off this evening. So I'm just, uh, on behalf of Pastor Rick and the ministry team, just want to share a few final thoughts before um, we invite our team um, of leadership to commission officially, Pastor Dwayne and Hannah and the, and the kids, and then we're going to have a time of celebration downstairs. But uh, Dwayne, we've worked together um, coming up to... I guess uh, we would be starting 10 years, ministry years, uh, together. We are friends, and we are brothers, we're colleagues, but most importantly, we're God's servants. And as co-laborers, we recognize that uh, we belong to God first and to each other second. So as brothers, we hold on tightly to each other, but as co-laborers, as God's servants, we release that grip to his leading and control. So uh, I just wanted to share a few personal thoughts. When I think about Dwayne, uh, clearly Dwayne has uh, done his best to try to teach me a few things. Um, some things about engineering principles, about West Indian food, some cultural practices like why men should use lotion. 
he, he never did get me to practice that, but there's been many lotion conversations he's had with our, with our male staff. I've tried to teach Duane a few things. Uh, we've, ha- we've done some fishing together. That's been kind of interesting. I know that uh, Duane loves food, for sure. Uh, but I know that he doesn't like ooey-gooey kind of things. Uh, he gets kind of weirded out very easily. You know, meat with bones in it. You know, cleaning fish, putting worms, although you've gotten better putting worms on, on the hooks for the kids. And I have to say to our Barry friends, you know, when I think about the migration of London to Oshawa and then to Barry, clearly God had a redneck plan in play for Pastor Duane. I mean, think about it. London, not so much. Oshawa is getting there and getting ready for Barry. I mean, real redneck country, right? Now, I'm not really sure if he's ready for flannel and a pickup truck, but let's, let's see in a couple years what might happen. But honestly, um, some real things that I really appreciate about Duane is that he's a person of deep, deep integrity and much grace. Duane is loyal and teachable, really important qualities. Um, he cares about theological soundness and is committed to discipleship, as we all know. We know about his love for Christ and his kingdom. I appreciate uh, Dwayne's prayer life and how he models that to us in a really open and honest uh, way in terms of his relationship with God and us, each other. He's he's reflective. His counsel is thoughtful, and he's a careful planner. Hannah, when I think about you leaving us, I feel much loss. Loss of a great mom, a mentor, Uh, to many young women, a great pastor's wife. Uh, I really appreciate how you respect your husband, how you love Duane. So from a team perspective, we're we're a tight group here, and and I think about this, and I feel lost for sure. I I invited our team just to kind of share some reflections, and here's kind of a collage of them, Duane first and then Hannah, of things that they really love and appreciate about you, your passion and your love for the kingdom of God your care for people, that you take time to listen and to really support uh, the people that you're ministering to. We thank you that you've changed the standards of our youth ministry to really push and challenge our teens, as we've heard tonight, to make a real commitment in their relationship with Christ and to grow in closeness to him. And my family has been a benefit of that, and I thank you, Duane. You've impacted us through your careful thought process in everything that you do. And you always ensure that you do things well, and it's done the best way possible. Another one of our staff members said, we're going to really miss Dwayne for the way he always makes us feel included and loved. We're going to miss his friendship, his encouragement, and his enthusiastic bounce when he's playing the keyboard. Appreciate his smile and his attitude. No matter what's happening in the building, Dwayne is always there with a smile that puts people at ease. We're going to miss worshiping with him, his energy, And his rhythm is contagious, needs to be more contagious. He's impacted me through his prayer. The honesty and sincerity that he prays with is something, speaking from a staff person here, that I've always learned from and applied in my own life. It reminds me that when we pray, we are truly spending time in our relationship with the Lord. Appreciate Dwayne for how he's been so reflective in in his comments on key issues in church ministry. He's a thinker always in how our Lord may be glorified in his life and in the ministry of Calvary. Dwayne's impacted me by his example, his conviction, his outreach in the community, in the schools, and his faithfulness to family. And then we'll miss Dwayne for his Caribbean influence, or Caribbean influence, thoughtful ways, his transparency and commitment to the next generation. Hannah, there were some uh, team reflections on you, and I just briefly share them with you. I really appreciate Hannah for how she's shown her love for Christ in a way that she serves, in the way that she loves her husband and her kids in the church. She's impacted us through the way that she cares for people around her. She loves people and shows it through her various acts of service and kindness. I'm going to miss her for her fun-loving nature and her care for God's people. I'm also going to miss her cinnamon buns. Now, I'm going to name this next individual. Jim said, I'm going to miss her cupcake laced with vegetables. So, I think Jim's going to need a care package at some point. 
I always appreciate how she converses with so many people in the lobby. Her generosity with her time is apparent, whether it's on Sunday after a service or on Tuesday nights after clubs. Really appreciate that. She has impacted us with her ministry to our kids on Sunday and outside of the church. She's a great friend. Tribute to Hannah. So church, what does this mean? When we think about the loss of this family, it feels for sure like a spiritual loss. No question. But there's a spiritual solution. Of course, we need the next Dwayne's. Because of his commitment, because of his mentoring, it's so exciting for us to see young people serving in leadership as young adults, as staff, as volunteers. So thankful for the work that Dwayne has, has done with Brett and Hannah with Becca. And it's exciting to see them as young people on staff, young adults on staff. But we know it's a loss, and we also know that God will carry us and you through that. You see, it's the characteristic and nature of Calvary Baptist to be ascending church. It's what we do. It's who we are. We have a rich history of being like that. And God entrusts us with special people. Throughout the years of raising up young women and men, um, it's been our privilege to send them off throughout the world. We value, we value this, developing young people, giving them the courage, and helping them to believe that through Christ and by faith, they can accomplish great things in his name. So God entrusts them to us, and then we send them away. Sometimes we send them close. Sometimes we send them far. So how do we say goodbye? Well, it's like parents and children. We have to let go. I personally don't like it, but I, I love what God is doing. We grow them up, we develop them, and strategically we send them forward. And sometimes that means a way. So I want to invite Dwayne and Hannah and the kids and our, our leadership team, our pastors and deacons, uh, to the platform. We're going to commission them in a moment. And, and Harvest, um, I would just, uh, again, thank you for being here. And uh, come on up uh, while I'm speaking, guys and girls. Um, I want you to know how much of a gift uh, we feel uh, we are presenting back to God's kingdom and passing along Dwayne and Hannah and the kids to you. Um, and we know that... Uh, we know that the gift of pastoral leadership is so very important to the church, and uh, we trust that, uh, that you will continue to be faithful um, to nurture Dwayne's gifting and his passion and his love for Christ. And so we pass this gift of Dwayne and Hannah and the kids to you, a gift that the Lord has given to us, and, and we with, with now hands release that to you. And we just ask that you would take back to your congregation this message, that the accountability for this family, for Dwayne and Hannah, and Isaiah, and Jemai, and Kaya, we pass on to you and, and pray that you will handle them with care, and with prayer, and with love and respect. It's really an act of God to demonstrate how much he loves you, that he would give you, Duane and Hannah, and their kids. A shepherd of this quality, God loves you, and he loves them. And I know that Duane will faithfully give himself to the Lord, and, and to your ministry as well. So we officially pass them over to you, and uh, pray that they will be uh, a major blessing to you and to your congregation and to your community. And so now, church, we're going to do something that uh, the Church of Ephesus did with the Apostle Paul, and that is we're going to officially lay hands on this family, and we're going to pray for them and uh, ask God uh, to bless them as they continue to serve him. And uh, I'm going to invite you to stand together with us as, uh, as we pray together. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you. I want to praise you for this amazing family that you have given to us and for entrusting them to us in this past season of ministry. What a blessing they have been. We love them. They have been a true gift from you to us. Lord, we thank you for what they mean to us, the difference that they've made in our lives and in our church, Lord, and in this region, this community. Lord, I pray that Harvest Berry will love them they love Dwayne and Hannah and Isaiah and Kai and Jemai. That they'll pray for them. That they'll serve with him. That they'll respect Dwayne's leadership and see your heart in them. Lord, would you give Dwayne and enable him in a special way with wisdom by your Holy Spirit to empower him with, with great and fresh enthusiasm and insight and vision. Lord, I pray that, that he'd have big dreams and have much faith in trusting you for great and mighty things. Lord, I pray that because of your work in and through that team and in Duane, Lord, that, that Harvest Berry would become even a, a greater church 
in the work of God, that many lives, Lord, would continue to be transformed as they reach the community with the powerful impact of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I also ask that you just bring around Dwayne and Hannah, a great team. Lord, a team of leaders and, and great friends for Hannah, Lord, and for the kids. Lord, that they would find friends that, and that they would fit in and they would love to go to church. Lord, I pray that this church would develop them, these kids, that they would grow and be used and, and continue to excel and be everything that Christ wants them to be, Lord, as young champions for you. And now, Lord, together we pray with thanksgiving as we, as we think about Dwayne and Hannah and these amazing kids, Lord, that the God of peace, that, they would, that, that you, Lord, would equip them with every good thing for doing your will. And Lord, would you work what is pleasing in them through the Lord Jesus Christ. And to you, Lord, be the glory forever and ever. Amen.